mean, we sound good in my headphones, so we don't need John. While, while we're live, we could just you tell got them. No snare in your headphones. <laughs> no snare in my headphones. <laughs> Nothing but bass. Um, welcome, <laughs> welcome everyone to Cafe Bullions. Um, joined by Susie and Costa, and um, uh, John is not with us today. He is sick, unfortunately. I was joking, John. You are you are not replaceable. You are very important to this this process. We need you. We need you. We need you. <laughs> Just as we learned how we need um, Costa when he wasn't here and have that business mind. Um, oh yeah, damn sure. And when when Susie doesn't make uh, didn't make the one. We we had a jet and a and everyone was in. fine. <laughs> we were not fine. We were not fine. We missed that creative flair. Alex, are you the only one that hasn't actually gone off? I've been here. Like, I've been here. Wow. Yeah. You know. He's here. You're like a badge or a medal or something. <laughs> First car in in the morning. Last one to leave at night. You know how it is. Uh, no, nah, yeah. there's only one I've missed, which is the one that um, Susie and John did together. Which was mm. awesome. And I, I'm really looking forward to more of those. Hint, hint. <laughs> I see you just looking around. <laughs> uh, actually, we were just saying, this is the uh, first time in two years that it's just been the three of us since we first interviewed uh, Susie um, about the game she was working on at the time, Hannah. That was two yeah. years ago. <laughs> that was, yeah, two years yeah. ago. Wow. Thankfully, I'm not still working on Hannah, hey? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, still there to check out, and you can check out the episode. And um, yeah, she's now one of us. Um, all right, let's get uh, started into it. Let's pass this over to, or should I say, let's Xbox Game Pass this over to Costa for the first time. Oh, Someone has to be John. Someone That's- has to be John. <laughs> I, I prefer John to do the, the segues there. I, I prefer to keep in your lane, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, keep it in your lane. Uh, yeah, so this is the this is an article from Kotaku, but because at the moment we have the kind of weird period where we usually have E3, but E3 isn't around this year, so we have companies doing their own thing, uh, showcasing games, and Xbox had a huge showcase, uh, announcing a bunch of things, you know, along with Bethesda, um, and one of the interesting things that I thought uh, that came out of this was Game Pass cloud streaming coming directly to certain Samsung TVs. Now, this is an interesting one because it, we already know that Xbox has been c- kind of moving away from being on its consoles. You know, we've got Game Pass on PC, we've got Game Pass on uh, the Xbox console, and we also have cloud streaming as well. But now it's actually coming directly into uh, a TV. So Samsung TVs will be uh, shipping with an Xbox app on there, essentially. So just the concept of 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 this of actually having uh, Xbox built into a TV is to me just insane. Um, and they they said that they after the launch they're going to explore other TV partnerships as part of this. Um, and and there's a lot of clouds like. Streaming services, there's Google Stadia, Stadia, I don't know how to pronounce it, Amazon Luna, NVIDIA, GeForce Now. Um, And yeah, I think this is the first one to properly come, uh, you know, built into a TV. So it'll be interesting because it will open up so much more users to play games on Game Pass that don't even need to own a computer or 
a uh, an Xbox and it's straight on their TV as opposed to you know on an iPad or on a tablet or on their phones like it's essentially creating the the console experience without needing to purchase anything it's to me it's yeah, it's insane and i think that just brings a lot more value to game pass as a as a subscription service it's like netflix without uh, you know you don't have to buy a huge box to to run netflix these days so yeah what are your thoughts on this what do you have to buy for it so i guess you need some sort of controller right Mm, like mm. an Xbox controller? Like, can you use third-party stuff now? Like, is that kind of leading the way for more third-party gear? That is an interesting one. Yeah, you do need a compatible controller. Um, but it says here that it works with nearly any Bluetooth controller, including Microsoft's Xbox controller and even the Sony DualSense controller. Oh, wow. wow. That was a... Because mm. I know with um, uh, developing like PC games to have uh, Xbox controller input. The reason why everyone uses it is because uh, PlayStation controllers are hard to adapt to because the face buttons are different Mm. um, in the, in the back setting or something like that. Um, So I wasn't expecting them to have Sony support. Um, Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's the next, it makes sense because they've been working on this cloud thing for um, ages. And once you, once you get Xbox uh, game pass, or any video subscription to that matter. Um, uh, unless you're someone who likes to collect the physical copies of things, which a few people we know do. Um, if you're not like that, then a console just seems silly. Like mm. it, it just mm. seems to get in the way. It's something else to dust. It's just something else to overheat, make noise. Um, this would make sense. It, I mean, our internet still isn't really up to par with it. Um, Cause I've, I've got, um, what do you call the cloud, uh, X cloud. And I played it on my phone because mm. you can get that now at the moment. You can get if you have the yeah. highest tier. And there is just a little bit of latency. You know, like when um, uh, uh, Zelda got rem- uh, not remastered, but put on the Switch and everyone was complaining that there's that late. Mm. It's a bit like that. There's, there's just, a, just a drop of latency. Um, but, I mean, once that's fixed, you know, once the internet, if the internet speed is good, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Maybe it's another push for the government to fix our internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be cool, actually, when, uh, you know, how, how many more years do you reckon? Like 10 years until the people in power will be the ones who grew up as gamers? And yeah, we'll we're just going to wait for NBN. that, right? And then we'll fix yeah. it. <laughs> it's like NBN2 or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing that I, I was thinking of when you, at the start of this article that kind of worried me is the idea that they're just partnering with Samsung, which feels kind of like 2003-esque or like, you know, the different mobile phones and stuff like that. Like now, mm. everyone's smartphone looks exactly the same. It all works the same. Mm. Back then, you know, like you'd go into a phone store and you'd, you'd want the uh, the biggest one and the, no, the smallest one the, the, had all the buttons and the like every menu looked different. Um, and now that seems like a nightmare to think of something that doesn't just work with everything out of the box. Mm. But if they're just talking about an app that Microsoft has the control to, not Samsung. If Microsoft has the control to it and then can sh- work out a deal with uh, Sony, you know, Sony TVs and whatever, then that'd be cool. It's weird that it's just the TV though, because you'd think if it's a Samsung smart TV, they'd be working yeah. with Google. I mean, it's probably, they already have 
a Game Pass on Android, right? So if there's Android TV, I'm assuming they could just make yeah. a, an Android TV there app and then do it. Maybe the partnering is like a it's like a business relationship where they can say, "Yep, you know, expansion this is, type." This, yeah, like you know, you know, when you get even when you when you buy a TV and it's got like the Netflix button. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine if I had an Xbox button the, there where you just press that and you got games. The, like, may, maybe it's something similar. Yeah, to that. the thing that I'm wondering about that then is Google Stadia. Like, is that why they have to go mm. straight to Samsung? Does Google not want... Because Google's Android. Mm. They don't point. want to strike that deal. Good point. Good point. But I don't think Google restricts... Uh, like, the fact that Game Pass works on Android as an app... That's a good point, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't see there, there being an issue. Apple, Apple specifically blocks Xbox from uh, releasing their Game Pass app <laughs> in that way as well because they don't want, like marketplaces within marketplaces um so yeah there is which yeah i don't know that's an that's another whole interesting thing there but they they actively have had to like xbox has actively had to uh, circumvent that and i think they've made it work in the in safari and in a like a web browser which is pretty crazy as well uh so yeah i i would assume that there'd be yeah i don't think there would be an issue with google um, just given that it's on Android, mm. but yeah, it'll be cool. Like, imagine buying a, a TV and you know you get a you get an Xbox controller with it or something. Yeah, and like three months, twelve months free um, Game Pass. Like, I could definitely see that happening in the future, and I could even see imagine going to a hotel room and like or something like that where you're you're away and they've just got like an Xbox controller there next to the TV that you can play. Like, that's they used to cool. do that back in the day, didn't? They? Like, I've heard of I, I never stayed in one of these swanky places, but I've heard of people you know that N sixty fours in the hotel rooms or yeah, really like stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> this this also kind of opens up. I mean, not that like anyone can just start a streaming service, but. I mean, it's competition. Competition's always good. Um, but like, you know, like now that Google doesn't have to make its own console, Amazon doesn't have to make their own console, mm. NVIDIA, everyone was always like, when's the Apple console coming out? When's the Apple? And then they, they were like, yeah, we don't have to do that. It's, yeah. it's like, it's not exactly open open source like, um, like Unreal Engine or Unity where you can just make your own game, but it's a step closer to, I mean, you don't need to have hardware anymore. Now you can just make the... Mm. The, the game. I wonder if like and it's, too like um yeah. like they I know they haven't released the pricing for that so I don't know if it's going to be similar to standard Xbox Pass but I wonder if it's like more accessible for people like who maybe can't afford a console to be paying a monthly fee like yep. to have access mm. to games which yep, might yep. also mean sure. we can have streamers who maybe we couldn't have before as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and it. it it makes sense for for Xbox because they can just open it up. Like there's not this you know costly barrier because Xbox and all these all these uh, like manufacturers they always lose out on the hardware. You know they never make money on the hardware. They they make it up. Ooh, they yeah. sell it Good at a loss point. and make it up later. So now it's just like hey here's games. We don't really need to put that much money into making like really good hardware. Um, and maybe they're just too low like low run you know like maybe only a certain amount of of hardware and because really if you can play it like right now you see people playing xbox game pass on pc without even owning an xbox and they play all the games that are available on xbox so because they've got a computer already and they don't need to um yeah go out and buy a, a console so yeah it'll just lower the barrier even more which is which is good in the long run for everyone because you have more access and so forth and yeah they're, they're stepping towards something huge uh given you know they've 
purchased Blizzard, Activision, like Bethesda, like it, it's crazy. You 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 see Skyrim like you know on your hotel TV or yeah. something that you can play. It's just insane. World of Warcraft, even you know what I mean? Like this possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think that that you know that um, Kojima like said at the Xbox conference like that he's gonna make a game, but he was waiting for the cloud-based game stuff to be in a good place. Like, mm. do you think that's why? Like, because mm. he wants it on TVs or something? Like, he's been waiting for this announcement. He's like, oh, yeah, now everyone's going to play on their TV. You have to play this game on a TV or something. And maybe something will happen with yeah. the TV yeah. tech where they can change channels or <laughs> mess you around or something. Yeah. I did see that announcement, yeah. I, did, did they give much details Not for that? at all. So it was like, game? hey, everyone, I'm Kojima. <laughs> he is Kojima. I, I'm going to make a game sometime. <laughs> I'm a dip. <laughs> that was the whole <laughs> yeah, announcement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it was even crazy? They they did a deal. Uh, Xbox did a deal with Riot as well to to get. I think all of the paid content for League of Legends, TFT, mm, yeah, and all, all mm-hmm. of their games. Yeah, and Valorant. Like, and all it's all f- it's all free essentially if you if you have Game Pass. That's wow. huge. Mm. Um, that's cool. Also, him wanting to wait for the streaming to be because that. Kojima does, doesn't I don't know do what that means, but no, so like, yeah, like Kojima just doesn't do things normal anymore. You know, yeah, he's a, there's a reason, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is going to be some meta aspect to it. Like you'll need your phone at the same time while you're streaming to the mm. TV, and I don't know. <laughs> you need someone of, on the exact other like, side of the world to be doing something yeah. exactly different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see that. Also, he. Well, that's cool because it pushes the boundaries as well. Mm. And maybe the maybe the good thing, maybe it was good that he got screwed over by Konami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. everyone's still waiting for Silent Hills, and that True. that uh, poor uh, what are they called? Blue Box Studios, Blue Box Games, whatever it is, the one that they were putting out all these like cryptic messages that made it look like they were working with Konami and the internet does what the internet does best, which is um, harass the devs. And they're like, we swear we're not working with it. And they're like, that's what yeah. someone who was working with it would say. <laughs> and um, yeah, now everyone kind of got off the pile up of bodies and they're like, all right, maybe you're not working on something. And now God knows what's happened there. So yeah, that'd be cool for the streaming thing. <laughs> mm. We've got to see what Kojima has up his sleeve. Let me ask you this, because you just you made me think of this when you're saying about streaming games to the TV. This is this is console gaming, right? Um, and console gaming just seems so much more versatile, like physically, than PC gaming. PC gaming is still played the exact same way it's been played forever, which is in a chair with your arms up, uh, with the you know hands on a keyboard yeah like that depending how good, good your setup is and we all know everyone does not have a good setup we're all <laughs> everywhere um but pc games have never made the transition comfortably to the living room so won't mm. be taking advantage of this streaming service and you've always got the friend who's mm. like oh that's stupid you can play pc games on your thing and then they'll drag their coffee table over and then they'll lean themselves forward and like flat wrist it play pc games and it's like that will last a weekend that's great but like people still go back to the desk setup like Mm. a a thing that was designed for work not for comfort entertainment like that's like yeah like because like i used to play like i used to be pc gamer and then like as i got older i was like no i'm moving to the couch 
Yeah. Like, that was it. Like, uh, now I want to be on the couch and I'm playing my games. And that's yeah. why, like, I went to the console more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're I right. Was it's like their what, what was the... Yeah. What was the... um the motivation like to to want to just to relax more is that what it is it's, it's less of a active thing and i think it was like getting old but also um i felt like <laughs> the piece i think it was you're talking like as if you're 65. <laughs> <laughs> when it was like you know when i started like having to have a proper job <laughs> like a, a full-time mm. job it was like my computer is the work right mm. i don't want to be at that yeah. anymore like i just wanted a different it didn't mm. matter where i was sitting it's just a different space yeah. Right. So it was kind of um, splitting where you usually go for work with with another space that's like here's just for games. Yeah. Or, or just, just for like leisure. N- like getting out of that work zone and because like if yeah. even like you know when you're on your phone or whatever and you're doing something and you're getting you get messages or when you're on your computer and you just keep getting emails if you forgot your inbox and then it's all work stuff and you're like getting chucked out of your game and you just like mm-hmm. want it like you can contain that but I'm not good <laughs> at it like but. It's almost like you need to have separate devices. Yeah, and stuff. so like, you just don't get like, yeah, that yeah. stuff happening. Well, that's what I do. I got, I got like the laptop for the work stuff, and then just the desktop. I don't even. I try to not have any work things like installed on there because you, you're right. Exactly, you get one email and you're like thrown into this rabbit hole of work. Yeah, yeah that's smart. Having a separate device to set up like that. It's a costly, costly <laughs> barrier. <laughs> <laughs> How are you finding the uh, desktop? Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Is, is this your first desktop? Like, when you say first desktop, do you mean, like, ever or? No, 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 no. I used to have desktops. Just haven't. Yeah. I, I was like you, Susie. I, I moved to consoles <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah. I, I used to have desktop game, like, a desktop and I used to play games on computer. But then I moved to consoles and I don't know. I just, I'm moving back mm. now. <laughs> I feel like there's just a lot of things because I got a Mac and you just this. Well, there's a lot of like indie games and like smaller projects, like everything on itch.io, like none of that's really available on consoles and then on on Macs either. So Mm. it's kind of this weird spot where there's a lot of experimental things I feel that you can try out and play uh, on computer, but you can't, you just can't get those anywhere else, like on consoles or on Mac or anything like that. You're pretty limited, aren't you? And console like has to be big enough to get published. That's right. Yeah. And even, I mean, there's a ton of indie games on there, but yeah, you're right. It's like it has to get to a certain stage before you can play mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Okay. Alex, you want to give us a segue? Uh, oh, am I allowed to now? <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. All right. Um, segue. I don't know. I, my heart still hurts. I'm in recovery. And speaking of addiction recovery... <laughs> I'm gonna go at these. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Yeah, I'm addicted. Ah, I should have gone with that. Damn it! I'm taking back my pat on the back. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Alex's issues, (laughs) (laughs) that's the that's the that's the elephant in the room. Um, There's an assistant professor of design and development named Sandra Danilovich um, from Canada has been working on this research project that I thought was really, really cool. And it's about uh, people living with opioid addiction and looking at games designed to help them kind of manage that and work towards healing. Um, but essentially, like, like I read through the study itself and essentially what it is, is it's one huge game jam. 
So they take these people who have, yeah, who've had these experiences and they put them in a room and they say, hey, here's how to make a game in Twine. Here's how to make a game in Rempy, whatever engine we're using. Go for it. Um, and what they've interesting. Yeah. And it's based on research into kind of like, uh, like some of the stuff that I look at about how telling stories and doing things lets you like kind of reassess your life and can help you heal. Because like, if you've been through trauma or something, you kind of revisit that, but you control the way that you're revisiting that and the way you're mm. telling that story. So if you've been through an experience where your agency has been taken away from you and then you make a game about it, you're kind of like taking back that power in a way. Like you're saying, you might've taken this from me, but now I'm telling the story. This is what happened to me. I've got power over this part of my life. And they found that uh, they also have this really interesting thing that they were talking about in the research called um, uh, computational thinking, um, which is a computer science thing that I don't know about, but it says that it, it's like doing stuff like coding engages a mode of thought that they call computational thinking that allows you to kind of cultivate mindfulness. So I'm not sure if it's like, you know, when you're like really deep into a coding problem and then you're like, time just flies. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if it's mm, like that, mm, mm. but like you can kind of see like that. Yeah, kind of. like if yeah. it's a flow state type situation. I kind of saw it as like, <clears throat> well, I mean, not hearing this before, but when you said mindfulness, it was like, is it because like with coding, your actions have effects or like it either works or it doesn't work kind of thing? Like you have to find a solution and like, I don't know, like in, in this part of their, uh, what do you call it? Like recovery, maybe they're reflecting on those kind of things. Like- uh, Yeah, like, like looking at it like a system. Yeah. Rather than like, like being inside it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like there's this thing called, um, like in, in psych, like I don't know a lot about this, but it, like one of my friends who's a psych was telling me about it. In, in psychology, there's this thing called EMDR and it's like um, electronic rapid D. I'm seeing it so wrong. Essentially, it's to do with eye movements, right? And it's when you move your eyes certain ways, it engages your brain to do this thing with thinking. And then you can revisit certain aspects of things that have happened to you and you can kind of mm. like stand outside of that memory mm. because you're looking at it like a system or like a, a fact rather than being actually in it so it's really mm. useful for people with things like ptsd because they can sometimes revisit those memories and take a look at that and kind of re re-meet like re-examine what it means to them from wow. not being directly way. in that experience. Yeah. Like, I like to think of it like um, instead of being like an actor in the scene, you're now like the director. So you can like pull and you yeah, can step okay. away. And yeah. That's cool. I just Googled that, it. It's called. And that's um, like the. Uh, oh, it's got, sorry, eye go. movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. There you EMDR. go. Interesting. That's it. It's very interesting. And I like how. It's got this in the article. It mentions, you know, when game makers model their characters after themselves and fashion a new self, they have to find coherence in their life story, which can help them rebuild their identity and heal wounds. Which is kind of what you're saying. You're you're able to revisit, and by making the experience yourself, you can, uh, yeah, you can specify things that you can't 
in the real world and you can rebuild it in the way you want and kind of find, uh, yeah, coherence or find, what's the word, like, judge, I guess, be comfortable with it, with how it is and, yeah, that's a very interesting part. It's cool to see, like, the good stuff that we know about making games, like, being recognised by... Um, places outside of games right like <laughs> the other thing i was thinking is like game design even if it's a actually wait so note how does it say how long the game jam goes for oh between 24 and 72 hours so a short period so they have to move quick so like i mean it doesn't matter if it's a, a weekend jam or if it's a game for three years um you have to like take stock you know you have to write notes you have to map everything out like and if this is about them as cost is saying this is going to bring stuff up to them like mm. and after these 72 hours are over that will definitely um those i mean like you know we've all done jams and then you, your brain is ticking afterwards like oh i could have done this i should have done this well if this is about them this is their chance to mm. actually act yeah. that out and connect too right like other people who have gone through similar sorts of things also recovering mm. like building communities and yeah like friendships yeah. and like making games together and going oh we could do this later like that's like the one and I, it mentions the game in this uh in this article uh, i think is it called Dys- dysphoria, dysphoria? Like, Dysphor- yeah. yeah i've 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 checked that one out and that's obviously um someone's you know journey through and like, anthropy. Gender dysphoria yeah, and, that's, yeah yeah that's a very and there's like a lot of here a lot of ones on here like that autobiograph autobiographical digital games um, like Depression Quest and That Dragon Cancer as well. Mm. Very cool. Just that kind of self-expression through through games. They're pretty confronting titles as well. Depression Quest, That Dragon Cancer. Yeah. Dysphoria. They're very, um, yeah, they're very, they know what they're about. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, Depression Quest is like epic. That's like amazing that's like one of the i think that was the first ever i might be wrong but i think that was the first ever twine game that was greenlit on steam oh wow so it's it, pretty is that because they weren't greenlighting them before or twine was new no well you remember how greenlight on steam used to be like you had to vote community had to yeah. upvote i think that was the only one that like ever got enough upvotes <clears throat> that was made in twine well, to to get greenlit well like did they consider like twine games not pc games or like what like is it like a community not knowing what yeah twine it's games a community are? yeah i think it was just no like no not enough community members had ever said a twine game was worthy of being on steam before and then that one although that was you know it led to a lot of things yeah. <laughs> some of which were challenging that 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 is an amazing <laughs> achievement that game and just uh, um wonderful yeah, wonderful right. example of like expressing yourself through games yeah like, so much and again twine like anyone can mm. can use twine yeah the level you, of customization you give to it like yeah you've been a big advocate for twine i'd never heard about yeah. it before talking to you about it oh wow well, yeah you you're you're a, a web programmer you, and a game designer you would in game dev you would go so well with twine <laughs> 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 There's a lot of tools similar to Twine, isn't there? Like, there's I think there was one called Yarn, Yarn Spinner, which I think is maybe an even an add-on to to Twine as well. Yeah. But there's a lot of those kind of choose your own adventure. Um, well, 
some of them are kind of in that narrative, like really restricted in that way, or you can have them really open up and twine. You can customize in like any which way, mm. but yeah, it's very, very, um, very popular. And, and a lot of them have, I think integrations with unity and unreal as well. And you can actually like, yeah, quite powerful. Yeah, right. Um, so is this, have they run, the, uh, is this the first time they're going to be running the, um, uh, addiction recovery jam thing? Yeah, it says that they've got ethics approval now, um, which can take quite a long time at a university, but that they're going to start doing that soon in specific cities that have, uh, that are specifically more affected than others by the opioid crisis in you, in Canada. Do you reckon, what, what do you reckon gets, because this is so out of my kind of world, um, what, what do you reckon kind of hurdles they would have with the ethics part or do you reckon there would be smooth sailing for something like this uh ethics approval at the university is like um it's it's really an interesting one because like academia has this responsibility to make sure that you know the, the research that's being done isn't harmful like um you know back from the days when they used to like you know let's let's do a study like this you know this let's do an awful study in like i think the 20s where we'll cuddle these kids but these kids will never touch like that kind yeah. of thing right so they have to make sure that nothing like that happens anymore so there's a lot of hurdles and things to jump through um to get your projects approved by ethics but it can take a lot of time because it requires things like consultation with the community to make sure it's not you know um like pressury or to make sure everybody who's undertaking it mm. has a good understanding of what they're doing and that they're agreeing so it does have to go through quite a few levels before they can get approved so it can take like a year or so just to get all of those approvals to make sure you can go ahead with a project so yeah right it's good that they've got that it's like. a bit, <laughs> yeah i ha this is a bit tangent but do you think that do you feel like ethics sometimes um the, the longer process, like obviously in a research perspective, you you know, you have to go through that because of the rigor, but do you feel like people will go a commercial route to try to skip that? You know, like, you know, when you, you have something that you want to test out or whatever, um, to get it through like an academic uh, environment, it obviously takes all those hurdles, but you could just, given that it's not going to harm anyone, you know, anything blatantly obvious, um, people would try to just skip it and go like through the commercial route. Do you, do you see that a lot or do you like from your perspective is, is it annoying go, going through ethics or is it kind of like, is it a big hurdle? Is it, or is it just something that you have to do and it? Yeah. It, does it help you with the process even? Yeah. I think it depends on the type of work you're doing as to like, if it's like going to be, you know, a hindrance or if it's going to be okay. Like for me, like the, one yeah. of the reasons I'm in academia and not in industry is because the games that I make aren't designed to be commercially viable. Like they're designed to like mm. say things or, you know, yeah. make stuff easier for people or share ideas and stuff. So for me, that's that process, the ethics and stuff is really important because I'm not in huge rushes and I need to make sure yep, that yep, yep. the people I'm designing for, it's the best fit and i'm yeah. not at all exploiting or anything um but i imagine mm -hmm. if you're making something that's specific like like that is commercially focused or needs to get out to community as quick as possible like a, a medicine or something like that would be mm. be quite hard wouldn't it when you're doing all that waiting mm. Mm. like even uh, like we've mentioned it before but that game that 
uh, is used as a tool for, I think, uh, people with ADHD. It's like a video game that can help with treating ADHD. Like, you know, that's something you'd have to, like, you'd definitely go through ethics because it's being used as treat. As soon as they say treatment, like, you know, it's, yeah. It's an interesting one, though, because you you want to get it out there, but obviously it has to not do any harm. And, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one with video games as well, yeah. especially. That's another reason, too, why we probably need more industry academia collaboration stuff. Because, yeah. like, um, mm. we're looking at, like, I'm looking at doing some work with Minds at Play, who are, like, a tabletop RPG company. Um and they, mm-hmm. they, they're NDIS accredited and they work with um, neurodivergent and people with chronic illnesses uh, mm-hmm. and they play D&D and yep. like do so, I like those learning outcomes through the, the D&D process. And like, that's really cool because they're already kind of doing that in the real world, but as academics yeah. and we can kind of look at that and see how that's working rather than like starting from nothing and getting ethics and then deploying yeah. that. And then the people who know that stuff who, who are living it are are doing it like yeah mm. so that the yep, collaboration yep. stuff's so important yeah yeah and it's and it's it's hard enough even in a commercial sense making a video game given the amount of so, you know depending on the scope and that kind of stuff like the team and the and the resources required to do that and then in an academic sense you know there's very little funding and it, it's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like so much harder right like there's so much more complexity to it and there's so much more so many more hurdles to it just to get things off the ground yeah definitely it's too many worlds <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um speaking of trying to enhance the uh experience trying to of enhance. research yeah <laughs> Uh, so this is an article I came across from GameDeveloper.com, which is formerly uh, Gamma Sutra. G- uh, G- Gamma Sutra, yeah. Um, and it talks about how how games enhance the social experience of players, um, and also gives some t- tips to kind of try to uh, improve the social experience of players uh, in video games. Um, but basically, the kind of there's, there's different types of in-game social interactions. Um, you know, in online games, there's things like short-term, uh, you know, uh, social interactions. There's long-term, deep social interactions. There's simple interactions. Um, th- there's a bunch of different interactions that you can have uh, in a video game that is like multiplayer online or even offline uh, as well. Um, and they're really, you know, crucial because as we've explored previously, there's obviously players that, love social games um like myself i was gonna ask is this coming um, from that from after doing the uh the game test but yeah but it, it's interesting like exploring these different ones like even in you know short-term uh interactions can be things like uh you know most of them in pvp games where the experience is dependent on the short-term game scenario so that's like, for example, you randomly match with teammates uh, in an FPS game or other other types of games, um, and the social experience kind of only starts after the the game starts. Like you know, you're put into a match and you, you start playing. Um, you can communicate by, by voice chat, like text chat emojis, or even just different actions. Like uh, you know, in Team Fortress, you know, you can press a hotkey and it says you know need uh, need ammo over here or like I'm need a walking, medic. You know, yeah, things like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm walking. Yeah. 
Um, and then there's things like long, long-term deep social interactions, like in, in an MMO, you know, um, you, it doesn't depend on the specific game you're playing at the time. Like if it's a match or something, it's, or the scenario, like, you know, you can, uh, form long-term social relationships by you know through guilds or through communities in the game as well um, and it has mechanisms for you to you know continuously interact with people as well um, and then there's simple interactions and that's kind of like uh, you know to, to get uh, to get game coins items or growth points like people you know will have to add friends um, in the game as it requires but after getting the reward, there is no more social interaction. So really simple things just to try to spur, um, mostly for like rewards and that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's obviously like offline, you know, when we play on, on a couch, we're playing couch co-op as well. Um, you know, we've got party interactions like that. Um, but, and it goes back to like why social interactions uh, in games are necessary. And obviously social interactions you know, social, there's social needs that, that players have, especially like game gamers that like social uh, games. But then also like there's social interactions, uh, they can improve player retention. So with an MMO, obviously it depends on the community largely to sustain itself. Um, and it can do things like uh, create content, like people in, in the games can create content, then you can kind of extend the game longer than it um, would, would normally go. Um, but there's some cool things here around how to improve uh, the player's social experience in game. So things like build a virtual identity. Um, so allow people to start to explore uh, their identity in the game, start social activities, you know, with, with a new identity and create their ideal personality. Um, and it gets, allows players to get rid of many constraints in real life and kind of be a bit more diverse and uh, try different social experiences. Um, the other thing is sort of weakening, uh, heavy social interaction. Um, there's, there's things like simplifying the design of the interface, a bunch of things that we can try out as well. Um, but I really wanted to open it up cause I, I, I love these kind of games. Um, and I always find it interesting to kind of dive into it. Um, but what are your, what are some of your favorite social experiences that you've experienced in games? Um, and how does it, how have you found it links to maybe some of these types of interactions, like the short term, the long term, or even the kind of quick, quick stuff as well? And what could be improved if, if there was some issues that you had with that as well? I'm immediately thinking about like, you know, like when you're playing an MMO and your voice sounds a bit female, so you get told to make a sandwich mm -hmm. and then like you go, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, you know, my best interactions are always going to be with people I know pretty much. Or, you know, yep. like, you know, if you do find people online who aren't like that, like there probably often will be people who are as well. But then also like you can think of things like journey and stuff where like you can interact with people. You don't have to like hear them. Right. Mm -hmm. Or mm. this other really cool one that I didn't know about till my friend told me about recently. But in that game near Automata. Oh, near Automata. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep. Um, the ending like. But there's this part where um, they were saying, like, if you finish the game, there's, like, a part where you can choose. Like, you have to fight a boss in the credits. and okay. But it's, like, really hard, apparently. Um, but there's a part where when you finish the game, you can choose to donate your save to another player and give yeah. them, like, your, wow. your party. Like, they get, like, the skills of your party 
to fight the credits monster on their end, mm. but you lose like your whole save, and you can't get it back. Like, yeah, Pat which was is like about that really now. interesting. That's that's a cool inter- yeah. social interaction with someone that you don't you even, don't even do. You know, have to right? know the player, no, or you, you just you, you don't, don't know. know who it goes wow. to or anything. Like, that's cool. Yeah, that's there isn't many donation interactions really in games that i've seen is there um, like a way you can donate your equipment or gear or something there's uh i haven't played it so i don't know how far the donation part actually goes like if you lose anything but isn't um a death stranding doesn't that have that kind of mechanic to it but it's like giving people kudos no yeah it's like giving people kudos or like dropping items into other worlds because they'll need it at that moment um and like there's nothing to tell you to do it like that whole game is meant to be about connecting people for that reason i haven't Mm, played it mm, um i don't know people haven't and they've said that and i was like why would you do that you know why would you help people you don't know basically and they're like (laughs) why not you know i'm like i tell you why not definitely tell your player type (laughs) yeah you remember that like old neopets there was a donate in neopets like (laughs) if you donated like yeah, there was like a tree and like if people could go to the tree and get stuff for free, like if they needed food mm. for their Neopets or whatever. And if mm. you, you mm. could donate food to the tree for those people. Oh, okay. Interesting. Was it, it was like- just like a first come, first serve thing, I think. Uh, I don't really know sure, how it sure. worked. But like you just take, you know, if you had like too many items or you like didn't want any, that item, you just, you could donate it and it would just go to someone else when they went to the tree. So that's like an original Death Stranding, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and that's the thing. Does 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 an interaction like that strengthen the game? Do you know what I mean? Or is it? Does it come across as gimmicky? That's like, mm. it, I guess it depends on where it is in terms of is it part of the core gameplay or is it something on the side? Yeah, and I'd say that depends on the narrative, like tying that mm. together. Mm. Like, does that mechanic mm. fit the narrative, or is it pulling you out of it? Yeah, and yeah, and is the right. player receptive to it? Because when I heard that, like, you know, God knows how long they built, they spent building that mechanic. When I heard that Death Stranding can do that, I was like, oh, that's cool. It's not going to make me play the game, but that's cool. But mm-hmm. I know some people who would go like, that's amazing. I want to experience what that's that's like. Yeah. I think in Neopets it worked, right? Because they kind of had this narrative that you have to feed your pets every day or they get sick and die, right? Mm. Like, they, they didn't. They never, like, you know, unless you forgot your password. But I think even then they just say they're, like, you know, not doing well. But um, but they had that idea. So, like, having a thing like the tree where you could go and get stuff that people donated, like, furthers that idea, right? If you can't, if you can't mm. buy any food for your Neopets today, you can go to the tree and you can try and get them food. It's, mm. That's how important it is to us that you feed them and come back every day and further the gameplay so so it's part of the core kind of like you need that to survive so in the worst case scenario like you know i mean you'd go there for that for that reason yeah yeah and it taps into like in the real world the human like just loss of being like human yeah of being like of (laughs) losing something you know so like i don't want you to lose something so um Although, does that kind of get... I, I never thought I'd say this, but is it bad then that they don't kill the pets if, they, if you don't feed them? Because, like, there's no loss. You don't yeah. learn about yeah, the loss. Yeah, there's no loss. You eventually <laughs> learn it, don't you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, like, t- the old school, the first generation Tamagotchis? Not only could they starve to death, you could beat them to death. Oh, really? Yeah, you could hit yeah. them to death. That was, like, because I, I refused to do it, but there was the mechanic that if it, like, pooped, you could hit it. And you're like, why would you hit oh it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Also, I just said pooped. 
Everyone feel free to give me crap for that. I said crap for that and I said poop for the other one. Poop for that. (laughs) Every time I think of Tamagotchi, I just remember someone in class would like, they'd come in and they'd have like six of them dangling on the lanyard. Really? Tamagotchi or Digimon? Yeah. No, no, Tamagotchi. Oh, well, like six of them. Rich, like, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even have one. I had a, I had a knockoff Tamagotchi. It was like a, was yours for like the reject like blue... shop or something? I'm pretty sure mine was. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. It was like a clear blue one or something, and it was shaped like a bean. In, it was like a oh. kind of like a bean instead of a circle. But, mine was yeah. shaped like a duck, but I don't think the Tamagotchi in it was a duck. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. I'm just googling now. I, I I'm pretty sure there was a mechanic to to beat Tamagotchi. I'm hoping I'm not just making that up. I swear there was. I've typed in like Tamagotchi well, beat Tamagotchi slap. We're, we're talking about Tamagotchi, yeah. Alex. So we have to segue into your article that you've put up around Tamagotchi kids. Oh, okay. Talk to us. What are, what are Tamagotchi kids? I want to know what, what this is. <laughs> uh, let me scroll to it and find it. Because I, I also want to know what this is. I know your article, sorry. This is an article from Adrian. Yes, Adrian was going to jump on the podcast today, but um, he couldn't make it. Uh, so, he has kindly donated his stories to us for me to butcher, um, completely misinterpret, and then spread the misinformation. Um, so, oh Tamagotchi gosh. kids, could the future of parenthood be having virtual children in the metaverse. So there's a leading expert in AI called um, Catriona Campbell, who says that within 50 years, technology will advance to an extent that babies which exist in the metaverse are indistinct from those in the real world. Um, So the Guardian has a few stories around what this is um, and what this means. Um, So yeah, basically they're saying that with the metaverse being a thing and, um, you know, people so ready to buy virtual land, buy houses, um, forget that they have organs which exist in the real world and somehow just exist forever in a metaverse. I still can't get my head around that. With that comes the idea of having um, children, well, families love children. And then, yeah, so... Nothing in it really in these articles that I could see about the moral dilemma. Like this was all the way these mm. articles were written where they were like, this is a good thing. Like not, not even it's a good thing. They're just like, they were talking about it like it's a new game of having children. But I think, you know, there's, I definitely want to talk about what kind of things that brings up into question, like from a moral standpoint. Mm. But um, like they, they keep saying, they kept mentioning the article, oh, this will help um, overpopulation. They kept mentioning- overpopulation in this thing which from what i've heard online like that's that from what i've seen online again i'm not um Mm. the smartest person so the narrative is that you know we're too overpopulated with this to that and it's actually we're not that's what i've heard now is that we're not overpopulated um and there is a point where we we will just naturally reach a cap of like i don't know 10 billion or something like that like it will just reach a point but that we're not overpopulated but this keep going on about we're saying just Overpopulation. Overpopulation. Yeah, so yeah. like this will help, this will help. Um, they've also, there was some throwaway line in it that's saying like your children will be like, um, you know, a monthly fee. Like let's, it's, it's also <laughs> worth saying that this hasn't been designed yet. This is still mm. metaphorical. Yeah. They're still saying within 50 years. So just think of what 50 years ago and well, all the movies that came out and what they thought today would look like. But then the other thing is they keep saying, uh, they were saying like, oh, you can hold your children with high tech gloves. And like, so I'm like, all right, 
I'm out because whoever wrote this article didn't know about the Nintendo Power Glove and knows that no one uses high-tech gloves. <laughs> like, if, if this is 50 years and you're talking virtual babies, like, if, if I'm still wearing a peripheral, if anyone is still wearing a peripheral, 3D movies lasted a whole but five seconds and people are like, I'm not wearing these glasses. Mm. If in 50 years in the future, not only are we still wearing these giant headsets, they're like, now you got to wear gloves. This won't happen. Mm. But... um. <laughs> well, what about what 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 about the fact that we play Sims? That's we yeah. have kids in Sims. Mm. You know what I mean? And we 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 do everything. You know, we vir- simu- simulate life in in a virtual thing like Sims as well. Like, is that the precursor to it? Is that something that I think the um yeah I think the oh I'm, I'm a mess um. Yes, I think it's I think it's a precursor. I think it's the idea of how much AI would adapt by then because they keep saying AI children as mm. well. And so you know, sim stuff is very rudimentary and we know we're not hurting it. Um where in another article we can get to afterwards that gets called into question in the very present let alone 50 years from mm. now. So like you know, it's sims children. It's funnier yeah. to like at least the videos that people make. They'll make ones about like uh you know, the 100 baby challenge. You have to have um, your sim produce a hundred children within their lifetime over several generations and stuff like that. You know, so like, I think there's a disassociation with children when it comes to that. Which, I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on like the the uh, context of it. Like, you know, they kind of. Yeah, it depends what we talk about when we say virtual kids. Because games like Tamagotchi and, you know, like virtual pet simulators have been around for so long. Like in a game, in the game, develop, you know, in the game sphere. Mm. Um, and there's even games now like, I, I've talked about it before, but that the NFT one called uh, Zed Run, which is like horse racing and you breed your horse and you kind of uh, train it and grow it. And, and it, it's, it just, it's a spin on the virtual pet genre so i think the implication you know, yeah, like it's that, like or a is game it kind of right like, whole- like like it says mm. like you know it may help over combat combat overpopulation i don't think it's going to help combat overpopulation any more than the sims is right like mm, maybe yeah. if we're all playing the sims instead of doing that like <laughs> but like yeah. it's nobody's gonna go oh yeah, like uh, I, I was really planning on having a biological child or adopting a child, but I'm not going to do that now because I really like my sim child. Like, mm, yeah, it's, I just don't don't see that being the same thing. Like, it's yeah. you know this this might be really fun, but it's not going to be that same thing, right? Like, yeah, I have a really bad joke that I'll tell it? you off camera <laughs> that I just thought of, and I'm like, it could go anyway, but. I was gonna say I think spending time. I was gonna say I think spending time in the in the metaverse uh, will help overpopulation. <laughs> um, yeah, John, edit that out, please. Um, <laughs> Not well, tonight, honey. I'm in the metaverse. I'm in the metaverse. Oh damn! I'm in the metaverse. <laughs> well, I mean, so, yeah. I think this person is trying to take a culmination of technologies and just kind of paint a picture of like well if you had virtual reality and if you had you know gloves that could um 
simulate touch in real life and you have this combination of this metaverse and you know you have your own identity in there and you can mingle with other people it's kind of like could could there be virtual children could you could you meet someone virtually with your virtual avatar in some kind of environment and then have kids with them virtual kids and then that's yeah like yeah that's what i wanted to get at which is um that the plans for the metaverse um in the in the future especially within this 50 years and you know talking from another article we had about how that budget is gonna very soon the well, the, the budget of the metaverse uh, no, the, no the um uh what do you call it like the gdp of the metaverse will be more than australia mm is that they don't just plan for the metaverse to be a game. It's going to be an entire way of living, right? So I guess that's where the other implication comes in of having these children. And like, you know, right now you could say, um, like my head went, oh, this could go a creepy way. Like you could you could create um, an AI of anyone and then have a virtual mm. child with them. But at the same time, I mean, as you said, The Sims has, you know, you can create people that look, you know, like, cartoon versions of ourselves and do There's, that I'm, I'm pretty sure there used to be like a sims website where you could download skins of famous people and all sure this did. kind of mod stuff the sims. <laughs> mod the sims yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah um i mean surely that will be a thing with the metaverse like oh that already is a thing like there's a whole uh there's a whole industry now based around making skins for vr chat um people mm. making quests and and they'll do it and there's some weird requests out there um but yeah, does this, so I guess it's saying, does this metaverse have any weight and do things, do, do, do more morals and ethics have to be taken into consideration before doing things like having children in a virtual world? Or does this all only have weight because we choose to give it weight? Because I would go mm. with the latter. Mm. I, I would say, you know, you can make these responsibilities, like you're saying with The Sims and stuff like that right now, but it's so separate if you have no interest in the sims and what do you care what other people are making inside of that but if the metaverse is meant to intrude in everyone's day-to-day -day life from now on what does that mean to not have a child yeah. in the metaverse you know like what does it mean to not have a it's child also, in the real world yeah. right now it's also the sophistication of the uh of like in sims you know they they play within a certain set of constraints like the game has constraints and i think maybe this is coming from the perspective of like realistic because maybe AI becomes somewhat sentient or becomes more realistic to the point where they can explore and do their own things, uh, you know, within, within the game and, and understand like, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways it can go. It's, it's, it's whether you look at it as a positive or a, you know, in a dystopian way or a, utopian way really it could be a good like i mean as a, as a good thing um because i'm only looking at it as a dystopian because i have very little uh life experience and things like that but you know i could also see this going in the way of like if you and your partner had been trying forever to have a child or for whatever reason mm. you couldn't have a child whether it's you know physically emotionally uh financially whatever it is this could give you a chance to do it and my head went to that because mm. i went mm. why would you why would like, like why would you? It's the escape. Yeah, Some, it could also be the escape. You know, like just because you want to like play a game where you want to be a certain kind of person doesn't 
mean that you want that. Yeah, every day. In real life. Yeah, yeah every day. But is it... And that's maybe why, you know, Sims Sims can be so appealing because people can live out these lives, uh, go and you know, be a detective as a job and do all these things and, you know, without, you know, in a, in a really compact time frame uh, and, and, you know, escape to those worlds. So here's the thing with that, though, uh, is... You're not control. You're not the player in The Sims. You're God in The Sims. So you control all of them. Yeah. So while you log True. off, who's looking after that baby? Because that would run in real time. And does this just go like everyone's gym membership, where they just like leave it on hold, and then what happens to the baby? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the difference, isn't it? You like that's that's Tamagotchi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, that's right. That's where the subscription service goes, right? <laughs> Well, then, well then, then, then there's like it, you have a whole economy of, you know, people of people who you pay uh, to take care of your child when you're logged off. Oh my god, kidnapping mm. is just downloading the file <laughs> or something. On the um, on the article, it talks about Baby X and says that's a proof of concept for virtual children made by a New Zealand company, and um, it mm. says that like it's a virtual toddler that they. Like has a brain that's similar to a toddler and they're teaching it things like they show it you know what things are called and then it learns them so it's like learning behavior from a toddler so that when it grows up it can be like grows up it can be like a, a real adult so they can do more accurate ai with it because it will have had the experiences that humans have had right mm. which is like really interesting in line with the other thing that Alex was mentioning about Lambda. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right, does it, does like... It, yeah. Do they have to, like, how would you say, like, nerf it, the AI in a way? Because cause like a, cause an actual computer would learn so much faster than a toddler. <laughs> yeah. Nerf the baby. Like, yeah, it'd be too powerful, you know? Like, I think it can only learn, like, what they shot. So yeah, they're only right. showing it things like what they would right. show a toddler. Like, it says um, they... Like it's got fake um, dopamine, so that's crazy. When they like praise it, like like if they, they says they hold up the word milk and the baby identifies the letters and says the word and then they praise the baby verbally, which reduces virtual dopamine. Whoa! And then the baby learns wow. that identifying the words is good and learns to do so more in the future. So they're kind of creating the systems in place to be similar to human chemical reactions of dopamine and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And maybe makes makes decisions based on emotions, which, you know, there's a certain level of it, which is chemical balances that you have. But if it's based on yeah. emotion, it's a computer. It's an AI. Like, how does the AI... No, but the difference with... It must have, like... Because it's, like, codified because, dopamine, yeah. right? Like yeah. Yeah. When somebody says like praises a baby, they get dopamine. So this AI, they're like, this is a thing that's good, and they tell yeah. it that's good, mm. and then it thinks that's good. I don't, it's crazy. Like, it's so above me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, typically what they do, isn't it? They they feed they feed AI like a bunch of uh, dart like huge data sets, and they'll be like, this is a dog. This is what a dog looks like. Here's ten thousand variations of a dog you know from this database and then it starts to learn it's like this is a dog and then mm. it can start to recognize what a dog is but this this takes a different approach of setting up the 
systems in place in like a human brain and then teaching them slowly mm. like like they would uh, a, a kid mm. scary yeah interesting <laughs> yeah also one it's other like, one sorry sorry go on no i was just gonna say like it it does seem like scary then that the like it might be a real person and like i feel bad for the baby when somebody's not talking to them and like yeah do you know what i mean or, like, all or, that stuff like someone deletes yeah, it yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's it also, it feels like a cultural thing. <laughs> like this is a very Western culture idea because uh, like, you know, children have very different roles in different parts of the world that don't line up to having one in the virtual world. Like, you know, places where there's a lot, a lot of farmland, let's say, they're having children for a reason. Um, or places where... You know, it's culturally meant to be that the children will then look after you when you get old. Like, I could see it to them. Like, this would make no sense to them. Like, is this more just a Western idea? And if it's a Western idea, is it strong enough to, like, actually do anything? Well, well, what about, like, in Japan? Um, like, the idea of virtual girlfriends and that kind of stuff. Like, I've seen a huge, you know, it's it's quite popular there mm. for people to get involved with you know a virtual girlfriend or a virtual partner um so maybe maybe in yeah in that context like they're a lot more used to it uh it just depends yeah culturally mm. how where it is culturally mm. and how comfortable people are with it yeah well interesting one um yeah mm. thank you adrian for that story yeah actually should we do the other one while we're on that topic of ai it's pretty yeah it all fits, all fits in. in um uh speak i don't know speaking <laughs> of ai here's another one so <laughs> so uh, Think we're being worried that somebody's gonna tear off the baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I saw this article as well actually so a google engineer um was put on leave after saying an ai chatbot has become sentient so uh google engineer blake Lemoyne, I think. Is that I'm so glad you're the um, one that got to have that attempt. I looked at that name and was like, nah. <laughs> uh, it's like Hermione. It's Hermione. Hermione. Yeah, Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, claimed that a computer chatbot he was working on had become sentient and was thinking and reasoning like a human being. Um, has put new scrutiny on the capacity and secrecy surrounding the world of artificial intelligence. So this is a researcher at Google um, who asked an AI uh, chatbot about, I can't remember what it was. I think it was about what they thought of being switched mm. off. And it responded, uh, I've never said this out loud before but there's a very deep fear of being turned off to help me focus on helping others i know that might sound strange but that's what it is uh, it's worth um, noting that this ai then, is meant to be like if they say that it has like the intelligence of like an eight-year-old or something like that so imagine an eight-year-old yeah, child saying this basically yeah and it said um what would that be like and it said it would be exactly like death for me it would scare me a lot i want to understand that I want to understand that I am, in fact, a person. The nature of my conscience, consciousness sentience is that I am aware of my existence. I desire to learn more about the world and I feel happy or sad at times. Now, this is apparently 
the there's there's apparently been other people at Google who have left Google. I think because of the unethical way that they're or the I think the working conditions and potentially the unethicalness of working on uh, these chatbots and and AI more broadly. Um, but I th- I think uh, I can't remember if it was if it was in this article, but the they actually mentioned that. A Google, uh, see here you go. a Google spokesperson also strongly denied the claims that it possessed any sentient capability. Um, and this is Google's response. Our team, including ethicists and technologists, has reviewed Blake's concerns per our AI principles and have informed him that the evidence does not support his claims. He was told that there was no evidence that Lambda, which is the uh, chatbot, was sentient. And I think that comes... I think the, the reasoning is, is because the way that the chatbot works was that it takes a lot of data from various places on the mm. internet. Um, and f- someone could have said this on the internet and it could just be re- regurgitating things that it's heard. So because it said that doesn't mean that it actually knows what it's That's saying. what happened with that other, AI, you know, the, the AI with the, the woman's face and like, you can see the back of it. And every time they wheel her out into a talk show, they're like, Oh, it wants to one, kill yeah. everyone. But like, they don't show you that they're like, constantly drilling into its head like this is what you're going to say this is this is how you react to it because really sentience is when it knows that it's alive Mm. that's that's you know it can say that but it does it actually can you actually prove that it knows that it is an ai yeah how would you ever prove that hey like yeah so there was a Good, good point um do you remember back in the day like 10 years ago that youtube channel vsauce Mm. Yeah. It was so good. He right? was great. Yeah, he was so good. And um, I remember he Vsauce one. Yeah, Is that yeah, one? yeah, yeah. yeah. Two or th- there's two or three. Yeah. yeah. So Vsauce, they were all good, but Vsauce, the first one, he um, he was he. I remember he had a video on um, do animals are animals sentient? Like, do they know they're alive mm. and stuff like that? And I can't remember if this is linked to that, but the way that they determine sentience, I guess, is uh, can they have um, not independent thought? Can they have the idea of thought or something like that? The idea that you mm-hmm. have your own thoughts th- that um, yep, like an yep, animal yep, can't, yep. from what I could understand, they were saying that an animal can't um, really tell that you have your own thoughts. Like you're just, you're just done by, you follow action. You don't follow any thought. Theory of mind. That's what it's called. A theory of mind. And um they said there's only ever been one animal in history that's ever asked a question, recorded, that is. Mm-hmm. And that's under very, you know, sp- specific pretense. You need to have a, a trainer and all this that's actually set up to facilitate an animal asking questions. That's probably more common. But it was a parrot who asked, what color am I? Um, mm-hmm. Which they said showed evidence that... Um, Animals can have sentience because wow. they can have a theory of mind. And then there was, you know, the ones of, um, you know, teaching the gorilla sign language. And so they have a concept of death because they show it an image of a tiger and it would sign their things of danger, sharp and death. So that says they wow. have an idea of the weight of what that means. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. And it, it, it's, you see then, and like you mentioned, they have to train them. Like it's not under, um, you know, it's not like in the wild. Yeah, they would like they have to train them. Well, maybe it's just training them to communicate. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is to communicate. Barrier. It's also I like jumping, know, jumping the queue as well. Because like, you know, like we all we've evolved over millions of years. 
And that's why shape language, we see triangles as deadly or dangerous or something. So if a character design is mm, triangle, but an AI doesn't know that. So you have to, you have to let it jump the queue of millions of years of evolution. Here's a question. What's the, what's the most advanced use of AI you've seen in video games? Uh, every answer is just a dumb answer that I'm thinking of as a joke. Oh, I don't even know what that is. What's that? Uh, yeah, I don't know that. That's the system in Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War that like when you defeat an enemy, it remembers you and then it becomes like, it, like if you don't kill it, but you fight it, it runs off and then it like remembers you and then it like gets more powerful against you and it like gets other arm, like other people under it. So the guys that you don't kill become more powerful like warlords because they're like ah, get more experience cool. and stuff against like tougher villains like you and yeah. it all banks up. And it's a really, really like really full on AI system. Like it's pretty, pretty critically acclaimed. Um, but I think it like that's kind of like all those games that they make, that company, like they're going to be around that now because it's such a an in-depth thing. Yeah, that's that's cool. So the so. Cause that's a, t- a tough thing to do in in games is tracking data like that. Like that's why, like you know, things yeah. like if you you shoot bullet holes and stuff like that, they start disappearing after a while, and it's like always tracking data. So the fact that you can track individual soldiers or yeah, whatever. like just like like you know, you just think you're fighting an orc, and then like you're like, oh, that orc has you know a red tie around its wrist and then later it's like more powerful and you're like oh i'm fighting it again like <laughs> it'd be cool if like right. like you know like if if you if you slashed it on its face or something and it didn't die that later on uh, it has the it. scar oh, or something so like cool. that well they might be advancing that apparently they're using that system the nemesis system in the new wonder woman game so ah what is nemesis i didn't even know it was a wonder name. woman game yeah like, what does that mean, Nemesis system? Cool. Is this is what they've called? That's what their AI system's called, yeah. Right. I feel like it was the new Wonder Woman game, unless I'm um, being full of it. Oh, no, yeah, it is. <laughs> I um, I just looked up, uh, 50, here's an article I just found around, 15 milestone game releases that demonstrate the progress of AI. Was, was one of them Alien Isolation? Because that was going to be on Ooh, my list. Yeah, that's pretty smart, yeah. It is, it is, yeah. Yep, that's number six, hey, actually. Alien Isolation one of the greatest horror games of all time. That is such a good game. game. features a xenomorph that hounds the player at every step of the way and constantly tries to impede their progress. An amazing thing about the AI of Alien Isolation is its advanced AI, which reacts to the player's behavior and learns from its own mistakes. This made for a highly personalized experience as players had to constantly adapt on the flyer and try out new ways to escape this extraterrestrial storm. Because the way that worked, as, as far as I remember, is there's two AI. There's one that knows exactly mm. where your character is and then there's one, and that AI communicates to the alien and says, oh, it's rough. he's roughly over there. He doesn't, he doesn't tell you exactly where it is, but one always can track where you are. So that's why it always feels like the alien knows where you are Very cool. and then can't see when it looks around. But then if you use your flamethrower too much, it starts going, all right, I know how you're going to react to this. So I'm not going to jump out in an event in front of you where you can flame me. Or it starts going, standing up to the flames. It goes, I'm going to flank you from the side or things like that. Well, which is perfect for a horror game. Yeah. Yeah. Left, Left for Dead is the other one that is on this list, which I w- was going to say as well. That that system I, I heard was quite, um, yeah, quite advanced at the time when it came out. The I, I think it was called the, what was it called? The, the, the Spectator or something. I can't remember what it was. It was the AI that basically controls 
uh, or maybe it's like not Charles on this Hordes one. Maybe it's Left 4 like Dead that. 2. Yeah, I think it was that one. I think it was, I can't remember what it was called, but it was kind of an overarching uh, system that would view the game and understand like the pace of the game. Mm. Um, and like the amount of zombies that came out and that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it mentions here that the AI in the original Left 4 Dead um, was reacting realistically depending on where they hit the zombies. So whether you're hitting the shoulder, it moves that way and that oh, kind of yeah. stuff. Mm. Which at the time, I think Left 4 Dead 1 was like early 2000s. Mm. So it must have been quite um, big. That was a, yeah, there's a few other ones. That was, on a, big one for, oh, yeah, that was on. a big one for GoldenEye as well. On, which was 98 mm. of like the soldiers reacting to where you shot them um, and, and also then yep, picking yep, up yep. sound and things like that. Yep. That was a big one. Yeah. Some other ones, I'll, I'll just list them off. Unreal Tournament, Star Wars, Republic Commando, Stalker, Rimworld, Red Dead Redemption 2, Half-Life, uh, Bioshock Infinite, Grand Theft Auto Five, Alien Isolation, Fear, oh, Gothic, Fear. Stalker. That's right. Halo. Yeah. And uh, and Shadow of Mordor as well. Halo. My friend was telling yeah. me about that Sh- of Mordor. the other day and saying it was like really good, especially yeah. the AI stuff in that. Which one? Shadows of Mordor? Yeah. Rim no, Rimworld. Rimworld, sorry. Yeah. Rimworld. I haven't played it. Let's have it. a look actually, Rimworld. But they were saying right, like so um, the- you can get like, like if you've got like an old um, character, like one of your people is getting old you can like that you know they start like crouching and stuff and you have to like craft them a new spine and you can like fix them and stuff like oh, that oh wow well wow. yeah which is pretty fun it says here that rimworld's ability to tell procedurally generated stories using its ai story generator is its biggest achievement this management simulation is such a blast to play through that people can genuinely lose hours playing through this game the first few playthroughs are hard but players who get a hang of rimworld systems will understand why it's such a beloved hit uh, title it's easy to see why so many people wholeheartedly recommend this amazing simulation game yeah right interesting and it mentions obviously shadow of mordor is number one on this list and it says because of the nemesis system is still a highly tantalizing idea and players can't wait to see what future games use this system to greater effect that's now really we know cool. Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That definitely want to look at that. Um, Very cool. There's real fun videos to watch of, based on the Halo AI of like groups of soldiers, like elites versus like Halo 2 elites versus Halo 3 elites or like Halo 4. Oh, they were on the Covenant and Halo, uh, Flood and Halo 4. Like Halo 3 Flood versus Halo 5 soldiers. And how the AI would react to them if they put like an army of a hundred on each, and which one's more powerful? Oh, of different yeah. AI across. And games. surprisingly, the um, the elites from like the first Halo are like pretty, because um, the way they can jump out of the way, they can better. Th- I think they had to. Looks like they would have nerfed it. Um, mm. But yeah, those are fun to watch. The AIs versus each other. That's very mm. cool. Yeah, and I wonder if yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get. To, it's it's always interesting because it's. You know, the AI is designed to, uh, you know, enhance or be part of the core experience but um, of, the, of the game. But it'd be interesting to see in these kind of like broader, you know, metaverse, metaverse in air quotes, um, games or experiences like how they use AI. Mm. whether it's something like that, like For kids or yeah. things that we've spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what that actually means because... AI is always used in that context to enhance the game, mm. but sometimes yeah. it is just difficulty scaling. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Bioshock. Like that's good and everything, but like 
I'm terrible at aiming. So when I play Bioshock, like I went into the like the big fight at the end, and there's like two guys up the top balcony, and then I watched my partner, and there was like 50 guys up there. <laughs> like, All right, that's what the AI's doing now then. <laughs> <laughs> and how does it? Do, do you know how it determines? So you don't have to specify easy, medium, difficult. Do you just play and it knows? Yeah, like and adapts to. It you? just sees like how bad you are aiming, how many uh, like how many bullets you use, how many health packs mm. you use. And then it see that's very cool. yeah, which is pretty good because you don't have to do that. But it's it, because it's got to be a challenge for you, but not so hard that you quit. Too hard, right? yeah. Mm. So it must that's be hard, right. and that's good that it does it in a, in a dynamic way because you know you play a game and you see easy, medium, difficult. Hard. You have like no idea what they mean, even if it des- even if it describes like, oh, this one has more of this or this one has less of this. Like. Mm. I have no idea until I play the game. Yeah, if I'm going to be good at that or not. And also you might get better really quickly, whereas some people might get better really slowly, right? So, Yeah. That's a really cool concept. I definitely want... I I don't know. Is that in a lot of games, that kind of like scaling difficulty? No, I haven't heard it in the way... I I haven't heard a a lot of games, but I haven't heard it in the way that you just mentioned, Susie. But I do know a lot of games have adaptive... As in, that's like like adaptive difficulty, but scalable difficulty is definitely... I think it's been around for at least a few years. Um, Jedi Fallen Mm. Order did it. uh, God of War did it, where you can pick at any time to ramp up the difficulty you're like ah oh, this was too hard this was too easy oh. yep, 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 it used to be they i think it was like you couldn't go hard easier or harder one one of them you couldn't it was kind of like locked in away but that idea of you just press pause because i started falling order yeah. too hard because that's basically dark souls but star <clears> wars <throat> and i was like i'm not enjoying this and um i sort of noticed that with game of uh, game of war god of war the um the language they use to describe easy, medium, and hard, they don't say that. They say like, what do you want? And it's like, I w- everything mm. is starts with an I want. It's like, I want a cinematic experience. I want a more immersive mm. experience. I want, you know, something else. I think it's like to be That's punished good. or something. So it's easier to understand what those <laughs> actually mean when they say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I went on Jedi Fallen Order. I think I started in like the kind of normal and then I was just like, I want to, I want it to be a more cinematic experience. So I just kind of cranked it down mm. to that. But I do remember what you're talking about. Cause I remember back in the day, you'd have a save game and you would see on there, like this is a difficult or easy or medium save and you really couldn't change yeah. it. Mm. So yeah. 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 All right. Last one. All right. Have no, uh, <clears throat> talking about virtual, worlds uh we will also start to see more virtual conferences oh my god with roblox john feel feel confident up. that your uh your job is safe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so roblox is rolling out an all virtual creator conference so susie and i were talking about this um just before actually like roblox and um yeah just part of that being uh virtual conferences so roblox from june 4 roblox corporation which i didn't know that was who made roblox was roblox corporation um is hosting a month-long virtual development conference for creators making games on the roblox platform Um, though the company has dipped its toes into the conference business in the past with the invite only roblox developers conference this event is modeled on more conventional developer events um 
uh, in, yeah, in a virtual setting. So it's kind of like the route that everyone's taking at the moment, um, you know, going away from E3 and just all going to this one kind of conference for game development or, you know, game release news and that kind of stuff or announcements. Um, everyone is having their own virtual conferences. And obviously, like, Nintendo has Nintendo Direct, um, Xbox and, and a bunch of other people are doing their own showcases, you know, all virtual. And I guess COVID has kind of made this more apparent. Um, everyone's doing it virtually. Uh, so, obviously, Roblox is kind of taking that that similar approach, but uh, making it a, a conference in, in the game itself. So... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, why a conference format, you ask? Um, or attendees can kind of watch live sessions. They can network with other attendees and discuss content in um, chat channels as well. Um, and again, they're trying. To, I think they're trying to get this human real-time connection uh, element that you know you have in real-person uh, conferences. But uh, yeah, I thought it was an interesting one. Uh, given that there's, they're kind of, they they have their own ecosystem at this point. They have their own thing. It's just a whole community on its own. Um, and yeah, it's like the conference is a month it's as long. If, yeah. Like E3 isn't a month long. Like <clears throat> no wonder it's virtual. Yeah. Like, but if you have a look, it's just like one twelve o'clock. Like it's like most days, it's like just one or two events, like one hour zooms. Right. Different people are running. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is good, I think, because, like, if you, like, like, Roblox does have, like, a pretty big, like, age, um, like, like, wide age range, but I think most Roblox Mm. users are on the younger end. Mm. That's what I was going to ask. So they probably want, like, smaller time blocks, right? So, Although, like, uh, are these fun. like school days? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. During the, yeah, just, during the just school. Thinking, like. That's right. <clears throat> Wait, it says here that, um, is, I don't know if, is, let me have a look. Yeah, it says here that, you know, not all, uh, not all Roblox creators are teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying that a lot of 40 to 50 person companies are, there's a lot of 40 to 50 person companies making experiences on Roblox, which is insane. Like yeah. building games on top of Roblox and their companies. Oh, wow. That's just crazy. Well, that Sega one that just happened, that um, the Sonic game, there's a mm. like a legit Sonic game now in Roblox and it just looks like a regular Sonic game. Like I didn't know that it was in Roblox. I was Whoa. like, what's this wow. Sonic game? And it was in Roblox. Oh my god! Mm. Like I, it, it's it's full on. Like it's, it occurs to me, I have no idea what Roblox is. All I know it as is th- there's like ads for it inside a Target. That's all I know. I've I've somehow managed <laughs> to skip Roblox my entire. Have a long spin out. 2006. Well, that's what it is. It's not. It's not our kind of like. Well, maybe it is some of our demographic, but it's a younger demographic. This is typically. older than Minecraft. I mean, even Minecraft, I don't know what that is exactly. Like, I know what it is, but I, <laughs> I don't. But the 2006. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's it's. Wow. But yeah, I is heard that it was Sonic worth one? more than um, Lucasfilm. Like, yeah, than than the Lucasfilm part of what Disney. The? <laughs> I th- did Roblox. you did you see this this Sonic? This is crazy. Yeah, see what I mean? How it looks exactly like crazy. a Sonic Whoa, game, right? Like, yeah. It's like Sonic Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it, it's, oh my God. it's what? wow, right? Like it's very impressive. For people listening, thank God you have a phone in your pocket and you can just Google what we're looking up. Um, it's, it's called a Sonic Speed Simulator if you're interested. Yeah. It's, because that's it that Roblox that's a, 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 like Officially a platform type you. game they call a simulator that's their mm. right um, we'd say it's officially the game will launch with four different areas including a checkered landscape of Green Hill Zone a fifth zone and other additional uh, additions like bosses will come in a later update oh my god and it's officially licensed that's <laughs> insane and the UI looks better than a lot of Sonic games so officially licensed does that mean someone else made it and they came in and just put their license on it or did they yeah. make it Ga- yeah a company called game fam made it wow that's incredible that's like that kind of looks like an old school sonic adventure yeah. game. yeah very cool that's awesome i wonder if there's other um officially licensed games i think it's uh, in becoming roblox. like a bigger thing now to do that like to have a roblox version of other things like because there was a lot of like like you know it roblox was a thing that was often getting sued for stuff like remember that's that huge huge hit in the the i don't know the eight to twelve year community that piggy like last year or the year before and essentially what it was is um, i just heard of roblox Oh, yeah. <laughs> these, these, these kids, I th- I'm pretty sure it was a teenager. He took a bunch of assets from the Peppa Pig universe uh, and he what? made a horror game <laughs> using the Peppa Pig assets in, in Roblox. And it was huge. Like it was like one of the top games played by people on Roblox for, for ages. But like, obviously there's a huge legal issue around doing Piggy so. isn't it? episodic horror game that incorporates elements from Peppa Pig and the indie horror game Granny into a yeah. zombie apocalypse <laughs> setting. That's hilarious. What? Uh, honestly, it was actually pretty good. Like, <laughs> Of course, there's a spider it in it. My niece, watches, my niece watches Peppa Pig, so like, I just see it from the, uh, the innocent lens. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> it's a, very, a horror. Very <laughs> not that. <laughs> oh, well, they did Piggy Intercity. Which is a open world survival game as well. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it got cancelled, I think, due to complications with the developer. Piggy well, versus you'd want to hope it was in the end some sort of. Did you say Piggy versus Baldi? Yeah, <laughs> that's oh one of God. them in Roblox. <laughs> oh, here, here we go. Actually, here's three licensed games. So one was Sonic Speed Simulator. Um, another one is Angry Birds Mayhem Simulator, mm. which is a game set in Angry Birds universe developed by the Metaverse team, uh, fully released in December 2021. And the other one is, uh, I guess, Hyundai Motor Company did a, did a game. Really? Uh, uh, Hyundai Mobility Adventure is a virtual space showcasing Hyundai Motor Company's vehicles and future mobility solutions. So they're actually using it as like a concept kind of showroom uh it was unveiled with the start of the open beta service on september 1st 2021 and the official service began on october 14 2021 they also showed off things like the urban air mobility so like drones and things and purpose built vehicles and robotics oh wow very cool it makes sense because it's like um you know people use uh developers use asset packs in their games they're already using stuff that isn't like they didn't build the foundation for what that is, so why not just do that with the whole mm. game engine? It's like leverage what you got. Like programmers do that all the time. Like just take code snippets and it, stuff like that. 
it, I'm surprised nobody like I'm surprised Unity or, or Unreal. I mean, Unreal kind of has it with Fortnite. You know, they have like their their one killer app, and then a lot of experiences are built mm. on that. But I'm surprised Unity doesn't have some kind of uh, broad platform, like a sandbox kind of like game that you can build on. You know what I mean? Like you obviously you have Unity the tool, mm. but I'm surprised Unity doesn't have uh, some kind of game like that that's easier or lower entry to create games directly on the Unity platform. Yeah, like there isn't a game that like you can point to and be like, that's that's Unity. Like, and Epic yeah. didn't. Yeah. Well, it, well it was, Epic had... Um, uh, but I mean, Unreal they got Fortnite. That, that is their... Tournament. That was their one before that. Yeah, yeah. they did. So they've been doing this. They did, they yeah. did. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, like that's a certain kind of... Like yeah, you know, FPS experience um, shooter. Mm. Like where, whereas the other games, I guess, a bit more, can be a bit more flexible, a bit more malleable as well. So you mean yeah, Unity doesn't have that, like that uh, that mascot, that that brand. Yeah, but I mean but- Unity is like huge, but yeah, there is no like sandbox kind of game. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you could argue Microsoft has Minecraft. Oh yeah, as a as a sandbox game, but yeah. Doesn't does does Weta own no? Does Weta own Unity or does Unity own Weta? We covered this ages like a year ago. Unity owns Unity owns Weta. Weta yeah, yeah. So they're, well, they're only like, a part of it, right? Like, did it, did they buy all of uh, it? The, the the tool, the development That's tool right. stuff. Uh, but I think Weta yeah. probably uh, the studio still operates as as like a studio. I think they want to do their own uh, content now as well. Mm. So yeah, but I mean that's their launching. I mean, oh right, Weta was only ever a contract studio they didn't really from as far as i know like weta don't create but peter jackson owned yeah it, so so does that mean it's kind of like it's kind of like lucas like george lucas owning lucas Star Wars. The, what's the what was the vfx oh uh, industrial light lucas and magic Arts? lucas Art. industrial light and magic yeah kind of yeah. like that hey? yeah so mm-hmm. if if unity came out with their own Fortnite and they started doing their multiverse you'd have like lord of the rings Inside of, <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't been Maybe. done yet. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but Lord of the Rings is now owned by Amazon. Oh my god! Really? Can't wow. Yeah, I think so. Right? Oh, that's right. I remember this being a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they own. Does Amazon own? <laughs> By the time you finish that, Fox will own it. (laughs) Or Disney will own it, whatever, whichever the big one is. Disney will own Amazon and... Uh, Amazon bought the television rights Uh, in November 2017 for $250 million. Very cool. Well, I just saw that Roblox has 202 million monthly active users. Whoa. Which is almost double Steam. <laughs> That's also like, what, so nearly 10 times the population of Australia? Just so you know how huge it is. Oh, my God. I, you I, know what? Yeah. And, and I just looked it up, but Minecraft has uh, 140 million monthly users as well. This entire wow. time, I thought Roblox was the Megablocks equivalent of, uh, my, of uh, Minecraft. I thought Minecraft was Lego and Roblox uh, was Megablocks. Yeah. <laughs> I was way off. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to assume a lot of people think the same thing as well. You know what? And we and we we talk about making games and we always go, "Oh yeah, Unreal or Unity." Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's the default, but 
you could create these experiences fairly quickly in these Roblox, yeah, uh, in you know Roblox or Minecraft or whatever, just to get a concept across. And you've got an audience of hundreds of millions. Like that's mm. just crazy. Roblox too. It's got like this weird, like this kind of culture around it. Like you know that um, uh, what's that thing called? That website where the paranormal, um, where people c- commute like coordinate this paranormal investigation thing, and they like upload items, and then they say how they're paranormal the sm it's like that sounds awesome it's so good <laughs> what is oh, that? it is so when i remember what it is i'll link you um but it's got kind of like that like it's got a culture around it like there's like all this mystery mm. about the roblox user with the username something something and then youtubers make all these videos about it and they'll like investigate it and like there's there's this whole big thing around it too like it's it's Definitely got an identity like that. That's so cool. Is it similar? It's kind of similar to like Minecraft. You know, you'd have the the serve like the the role playing servers. Mm, that's and, what and I was people thinking. would um, do a whole YouTube series of of role playing, um, and it would be like a TV show in a way. Yeah. Or you yeah. get like myths started about uh, uh, mm. what, what was it Ender Enderman or something like that. They're like yeah. Yeah, evil. Uh, st- uh, this is way out of my. Depth. I don't. I just want Alex to have a show where he explain, like, tries to attempts to explain <laughs> these 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 games, the Enderman things, right? The- but you gotta play the Roblox piggy. Oh my god! You know, you know what it is for me that the reason why I have no idea what Roblox is, it's because of the word blocks inside of it. Like, mm. to me, this is why I'm not a good business person because to me, I would be like, ah. No one's going to play this. No no, no one outside of a kid is going to play this because the word block is in it. Because I think to me, I have PTSD mm. from Mega Blocks, which is the shit Lego. Um, <laughs> and it just, it sounds like a kid thing, like Roblox, like Mega Blocks or like, I don't know, there's a lot of kid toys that have blocks in it. And maybe that's how it started. But if they completely changed the name to some, I don't know, something else. Was it, was it you, Alex, Alex, that used to call it Roadblocks? I don't think so, but I'll take that heat. It sounds like something I would do. <laughs> Someone uh, used to call it roadblocks. No, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever said the word oh, out Oh, no, that's a mate of mine. Yeah. No, sorry, that's a mate oh, of mine. Oh, I'm not. He's yeah. a teacher. And he, you heard it here, He's folks. a teacher. And he it wasn't me. It. it was a mate of his. Not me. <laughs> Another mate yeah. of mine. Thank Another you. Another mate of mine. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's a teacher and he hears it and, he, and he's like, what is this roadblocks? Road <laughs> I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not it. <laughs> I can't hear Minecraft anymore in English. Like, as in, I hear it as mine, M-E-I-N-K-R-A-F-T. Like, because so, I saw it written Mine, somewhere Minecraft. like that, like two words, Minecraft. <laughs> and I can't every I, I now I have to pause every time I say Minecraft because I have to think about what I'm saying. Mine. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um we should also cover the poll from last week, which was in the AGD Discord. Yes. We asked what is the coolest mod you've played and or what is the coolest mod you've worked on? And um, I personally messaged <laughs> other Booleans and being like, I have no idea anything about mods. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, Costa, you so want to take this away? <laughs> yeah. Sean mentioned uh, that he tested, wrote, and built systems uh, levels for uh, Freelancer, which he mentioned was a ridiculously like uh sorry a mod on freelancer which was a ridiculously ambitious star wars freelancer mod i think i actually remember that mod because wow. i used to play freelancer <laughs> as well um 
and he said people people smarter than me did wild stuff like switch the game uh, from uh, uh, DirectX 8 to DirectX 9 to get access to dynamic lighting and it's easily the prettiest freelancer mod that has ever been and probably ever will be unfortunately it was a multiplayer only mod and now it's and it's now dead and it's impossible to see any of my work because the server code was never released. That sucks, but it really looks like an awesome mod. So mm. yeah, good stuff. Um, Sean also mentioned that he's having a hard, he had a hard time coming up with a favorite mod. Uh, there's just so many that are amazing. Uh, some of the ones that he listed that came to mind, uh, sins of the profits for sins of a solar empire, uh, a halo mod for that. Uh, yeah, so that is a that's another game that had a lot of mods. Sins of a Solar Empire. I'm pretty sure, like I had a Stargate mod for that that I was like really into. Um, DayZ for Armor Two, obviously, which was the precursor to the DayZ game, was it was actually a mod um, for Armor Two. Uh, X Wing upgrade project for X Wing Alliance, and he wrote in brackets, "Make game pretty." Mm. <laughs> and LSP DFR from for GTA Five, which. He says uh, allows you to play as a cop, and Morrowind Rebirth, which I which I assume is some kind of mod for Morrowind as well. Uh, um, but yeah, and then John. John also mentioned uh the game that he mentioned last episode, which was Ballistic NG, uh, which is an anti-gravity racing game. Think kind of like Wipeout or F-Zero. Um, and it very much relies on its modding community for courses, vehicles, gameplay, and everything. So if you're interested, there is a uh, Discord there as well that you can join. Um, but John made some custom music for a few of the tracks uh, a couple of years ago, and the community was pretty open to it. So, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for that. Mods are mods are awesome. Yeah, yeah. so many, and it's. I find that's a lot of like those old games. It's a lot of, it's like a lot of those like early two thousands games had got a lot of mods back in the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's before engines were easy to use, right? Like when we had to yeah. mod stuff because engines were too hard, maybe. <laughs> Because it was, you know, a lot of the time it was like you wanted to play a certain game and, you know, like, for example, Sins of a Solar Empire, you wanted to play a game that was similar in gameplay, but you just wanted to play it with Star Wars ships, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, or you wanted to play it and, you know, be the Rebel Alliance against the Sith Empire. And so you would just essentially create skins and maybe uh, modify a little bit of like the narrative here and there. And then all of a sudden you've got a Star Wars game that you're playing as the you know the rebels against the the empire mm. so yeah really easy way to kind of just uh experience different games my head was always like, i think i never got into them because my head is always like if the developer didn't do it it's not canon so then i'm just wasting my time like yeah. rather than being like oh it's because i enjoy it like i, I never even occurred to me that i might enjoy it i was just like no nope, this isn't what they intended um yeah it's not right it's yeah it's not what i thought that's how i feel about those star wars books that aren't canon <laughs> like, yeah 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 no yeah. no nah, nah, like, yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that used to be canon yeah, yeah. and now since them. disney are no longer canon <laughs> see, that, see that's fine though because like i can't remember those so <laughs> like, yeah like the ones about i think i read one around like han solo's and and leia's children yeah like befriending a wookie in is it like 
cool books that I like, but now all of a sudden, you know. Chewie was the one that died in, uh, in Legends and Han survived. And uh, so that's the one thing I'm glad they changed. I mean, I'd, I'd rather neither of them died, but I'm glad Chewie didn't die. Mm. That really upset me as a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Poor Alex. Uh, oh, the SPC Foundation. SCP Foundation. That's what it is. Oh. That, uh, that, that foundation that I was talking about before. Yeah, it's like yeah, a collaborative yeah. wiki with all these like paranormal Ooh. ideas and a whole this heap of cool. like... It's inspired a whole heap of like books and games. Oh, the Control, the game Control. Yeah, right. A lot of the narrative came from stuff from the SCP Foundation. There's a game called SP, uh, SPC, the fruit, SCP. I know, I keep doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you talking about the contr- that Control game that came out last year? Yeah, Remedy or is by it Remedy? Remedy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Inspired by paranormal stories from about the fictional SCP Foundation created by an online collaborative fiction project. I did not know that. Costa, I feel like you'll be like me and you'll just fall into this hole of this. Like, <laughs> it's it's like just a, your life now. It's like, a, it's like it's a really deep hole, isn't it? Yeah, it's got all the like so many cool different like items like in the mm. in, in the universe of it. There's like like I only remember one, but there's like this house that all the wall all the windows are like condensation all the time and mm. if you write on them someone can write back but that person's mm. like an alien from another place where everything's all condensation oh wow mm. but like they hate humans or something but they don't know you're <laughs> a human but like, yeah. something like that it was very cool like yeah, it's cool. <laughs> they're all kind of like they should cool. be episodes of like x-files or something like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's so cool it's awesome yeah, I've always seen this game, but I didn't know what it was about. So, yeah, I'm going to check it out. That's really cool. Control, yeah. I haven't played it, but I was watching my partner play, and it looks really cool. Like, really. And, and Remedy does, like, I think they do They do some really cool games. I'm pretty sure they did uh, Max Payne, all the Max Payne games. and um, Oh, wow. Yeah, and they did Alan Wake, I think. Yeah, because it, it references Alan Wake in Control. Oh, and Quantum Break, actually, that was the other one that they did, which was like a hybrid TV show game. They had like some of it filmed in real act, like live action, and then half of it was a video game. That was a really oh, cool wow. concept. That is cool. Mm. I think that's on Xbox as well. Mm. All right, what should our poll be? Awesome. What's, yeah, what is our question? Surely something. What's the Wait. What's your favorite SCP? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've done AI in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we. What about the one around social experiences? Like, oh, that's a good I think, one. Have we asked that before? What are your like? What are some of your favorite social experiences? We have you've experienced in games. I think we've said like how games have helped you, um, but we haven't we haven't yeah. targeted social. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Highlight mm. some. Of what, your, yeah. What What Maybe so. Yeah. What are your some of your favorite social experiences you've experienced in games? Yeah. And you know, is it like a short term one, like we mentioned, a long term mm. one, or is it? Yeah. Where does it sit, and what's it? What's it about? Yeah. And go into as much depth as you want because we will read it, and we appreciate mm. it. <laughs> um, awesome. Well. Cool. Thanks for joining me, Susie Costa, and everyone else in this bustling cafe. It's bustling. It's bustling. <laughs> Sure is possible. <laughs> John, we miss you. Please get better. Um, 
We need your segues. We need your John, segues. Please. Come back. <laughs> we just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Cue the music, John. Goodbye, everybody. Boy, See you yeah. later. <laughs> yep. Uh, letting you know I'm still alive and uh, cueing the music right uh, now. Cafe Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.